This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Try to put on the show. From the 206, great example for the youngsters, Danny, talking about fights and sports. I get that. It's a, it's a, it's a strong counterpoint to say, and the same with the taunting rule of like, hey, I don't mind taunting in the NFL. I, I, I think that the crackdown on taunting in the NFL is going to be annoying this year. I don't want to see it. But the counterpoint being, it does trickle down to other levels of sports. Youngsters do emulate it. I just think there's so many things that we tell them that, hey, that's okay for them and not for you. Once you get to the NFL, you can behave that way. Or if you you're in the NBA and you decide that you're going to fight somebody, like I I don't I don't agree with the idea that that fighting is something that must be purged from sports. I don't either, and I also am of the mindset too that there are adults that have a job. What kids do because of that that has nothing to do with them or their occupation. Nothing you met. You mentioned the malice at the palace, and there's a new documentary. It's on Netflix. It's called Untold, and it's basically uh, from Jermaine O'Neal's perspective. And I, I realize that I do see the malice at the palace differently now than I did when it happened. Well, especially with the context of those people that they gave you a little bit more of a profile into. The guy who threw the drink, who mm-hmm. stunk, or that hardo who got onto the court who still is salty about it, acting like he got sucker punched when he went into that domain. Easy short stuff. You should not be entering a domain where you're, I don't know, five foot five going up against massive basketball players. What did you think was going to happen? Leaving in a neck brace looked pretty pathetic, especially considering apparently he was talking to security people afterwards saying like, oh yeah, we'll see if we can get some money out of this. You know, that, that, that added context definitely helped me see the entire incident in a di- through a different lens. There are a lot of things I didn't know about it, honestly, and un- until watching this documentary. Yeah. At the same time, those dudes charged up. That team charged into the crowd and fought customers. So? Like, if you're... Yeah. I mean... Don't if I mean don't treat them like they're essentially, you know, animals in a zoo. That That's, that's sort of what happened when the drink got thrown on the court. I agree. I get that point. And in the in terms of who I think is at fault, do I think Ron Artest is bad for doing that? No, I think he lost his temper and was really, really upset. Can is was the league wrong to suspend him for a year? I, I can't go that far to say that like, hey, you know what? He shouldn't have been suspended. Like he and Steve Jackson charged up into the crowd and punched people. Well the, like if you're running a business like that has to be a pretty clear line, right? Like you can't you can't fight with the spectators. What's interesting about it with our test, the ends might justify the means because he was different afterwards. It felt like he 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 found a more of a sense of peace afterwards because if you remember that year, I remember that Pacers team being a juggernaut. I remember as a Celtics fan hating that Pacers team and being thrilled that Ron Artest was taking this leave of absence to go do a rap album at the beginning of the year. And then later on in the season two, when that unfolded the way that it did, I remember being excited about it. But from the perspective of Ron Artest was clearly in that moment not in a mental state that he needed to ultimately be in. Right. Yeah, he's having today we would we would see it through a much different lens of him having a mental health issue. 
and and not being able to deal with it. But if you're the league, was the league wrong to suspend him for a year? To have him not play basketball for the rest of the year? Because that, that's the part of it where I was like, I don't know, man. It seems like like charging into the crowd. What, Vernon Maxwell went up and got 10 games for going into the crowd. And it's not that I, I think that the fans didn't, like, oh, my God, the fans didn't deserve that. But you, you, had, you had a riot. You had a riot, and the control you have over it is of, of the players deciding they're going to march up into the crowd. I, I don't know. I, if, if, you, if you would talk to somebody like that in real life, are you going to throw hands? For the most part, yes. So, I mean, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not justifying fights. I am someone two and four oh, lifetime okay in fights. fights. I don't want to get into them anymore because I realize that there's nothing really that can be gained going out of them the same way that maybe in college you think that they could be or when you're in high school or something like that. But if somebody does that to you, are you just going to take it? Are you, are you supposed to take it? You're, that's, you, you just have to sit there and take if, it? If, if, you're, if you're running a business, if you're running the league, I think that has to be the message to your players. Yes, you do have to take it. You do have to take it. You can't, you can't charge into the, fan, into the crowd. If they come onto the court, it's a different thing. If, they, if, they're, if they're in the stands, you can't do that. You can ask to have them removed, you can, you, you, but you can't. You have to have a, a, a clear line there, right? I, I, I guess, uh, but I, I guess I'm also looking at it, you know, going all the way back to, what, like 2000 B.C. with Hammurabi's Code, eye for an eye. Eye for an eye. You, you, you do this. You're just supposed to get away scot-free. There's no guarantee that the security is going to be able to figure out who did what. What, con- what consequences do you legitimately face? You can get away with a lot as a sports fan these days. And we have obviously seen a lot of interesting behavior since the return of crowds. So I think if you do something like that, whatever happens to you, happens to you. And it's your own responsibility if you cause that. Now, what's different with the mouse in the palace, it seems like there were some people who, who ended up being a part of the fray that were not wanting to be a part of the fray. Right, that he ended up, the guy he ended up socking was not the person that actually threw, threw the beer. Correct. Getting punched for throwing a beer at someone is a totally foreseeable consequence to that action. In no way do I feel that like that is, oh my gosh, that person is a victim. At the same time, from the NBA's perspective, I can't say that I think that the league mishandled that by suspending Ron Artest. Jermaine O'Neal's ex- suspension for 25 games was, was a little bit, but I, I can't say that, that that's un, unforeseeable. It is Danny and Gallant. Uh, the Mariners are coming off of one of their landmark victories of this season, a game in which they were off to an early lead, almost blew it in the bottom of the ninth when they gave up five runs, just a gut punch, come back to win it in, in the top of the 11th, and then hold on. A one-run victory. They head to Houston to, today for a three-game series. They're a couple games, three games back, of the wild card right now, they're in the midst of a five-team chase for two two playoff berths. The most important victories of this season is this. Make the list. Does that that does that does that win I, over the Rangers? Given given how Scott Service reacted and everything, does that make the list? The after does the the how you got there doesn't because what happened with that disastrous ninth inning? I mean, you're up seven two. You know, and, and it yep. wasn't just Diego Castillo. Uh, Mizowitz came in, and that, that, was, that was not a good performance by him either. So, I mean, it's not all on Diego Castillo, but, man, the way that he just completely seemed to melt down in that spot, to me, that is, 
that takes a lot away from the victory, even though I am happy that they were able to get the sweep. And Scott Service talking about it afterwards makes me feel a whole lot better. They got the sweep, and they're 10 games above 500. I, I should be happier about this than I am. So I, I can't quite put it there, Danny, because of that, that moment. We thought we'd get some of the best sound we've had from Mariners' comeback victories and Mariners' signature moments over the course of the season. Other games that came up that, that, we've, that we thought about and, and talked through, uh, the Mariners, when they came back and beat Houston, and that was a game where Dylan Moore hit a grand slam. The next day, they traded Kendall Graveman and something that kind of took the wind out of out of Seattle sales. See if we can play Dylan Moore's grand slam here in that game against Houston when when the Mariners it really was a high water mark for them at that point. Here here's Dylan Moore in the bottom of the eighth. Now the left-handers, 1-1 pitch to Dylan. Swing and a well hit ball, deep to left field. Grandma, get out the right bread and mustard. Grand salami time. Upper deck, left field, down the line. Dylan Moore with a grand salami. And the Mariners lead the Astros 11-8 in one of the greatest comebacks I've seen in a long, long time. That's the high water mark of the year to this point. It has to be. I mean, you did not expect to win that game. You were getting your no. butts kicked in that game, too. Yes. And it's Houston, who not only is the best team in the American League West, but you hate because they cheated. But we know what happened after that. Right. And, 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 but I almost feel like it's, it's, a, it's a different day and a different team the next day. And mm-hmm. whether, whether that's right or wrong, they clearly were very, very, very affected by the Kendall Graveman trade. Yes, and they end up losing four of their next 13. They go four and nine after that, and they're all close. They're one, two-run games. It's not like the team imploded. It's not like the bottom fell out, but does that, does that take away some of the, the emotion? Because for me, it does. Knowing what happened next takes away a little bit of the importance and the way that I feel about about that comeback. That it's not quite the signature moment. And I kind of feel like even though it's against a, a worse team in the Rangers than the Astros, yesterday's might end up being a more important victory for this team. I get that. You held strong in the pocket. It is against Texas, who's not good at all. And they have been annoyingly annoying against you this season and specifically of late. I, I see the argument. I would more so say, how about the three-game sweep to get yourself 10 games above 500 instead of this individual game? Because okay. you had really good starting pitching in the first two games of the series, and they were games where you struggled to score. I mean, they were 3-1, 3-1 each of those first two games of the series. Paul Sewell, all three of those games, by the way. How about that? We, we have not mentioned his name today. He, he decided to pitch in all three of these games. Said yesterday that he was open to it. Maybe a bit of a concern going into the weekend against Houston, but I, I loved seeing that out of Seawalt. You can text in 710-710. Uh, Mac and Jack's text line, other suggestions. Paul, you had brought up the four-game sweep. There were so many Tampa. walk-offs in that series, but the last one where you got Shed Long at the plate, the bases are loaded, and this is how they wrapped up a four-game sweep of the defending American League champs. Shed Long Jr. has a chance to win this one in 10 for the Mariners. Castillo sets, fires. Swing out to right field. This is on its way back, and it's gone! 
Walk-off home run. You did it, Chad Long Jr. I mean, at that point in the year, I don't think anyone thought that this team was capable of beating good teams on a regular basis. And that series had three walk-off victories. And it's against a Tampa Bay team that currently sta- sits in first place yep. in the American League East, a team that you Defending are— Defending AL champs, too. You're 6-7 and seven against them this year. That is, I think, the first moment where I thought to myself, oh, they're not just these plucky, scrappy, I-don't-know-what's-going-on team, but I'm pretty sure that nothing of consequence is going to happen this year. That's where you're first like, oh, huh. And since then, you've gotten some more moments of that. Hasn't happened all the time. You've had some issues with the New York Yankees. But Oakland, Toronto, Chicago, you've held your own, if not beaten those teams in your opportunities against them. That completed the Mariners kind of getting up off the mat after that series sweep in in San Diego. was coming back home and the four-game sweep of Tampa putting them on it. What about July 2nd? Now, this is a game that this doesn't end up, it gave, gave the Mariners the lead. But I think of this as the the moment of engagement with the crowd. When when J.P. Crawford is up with two outs in the eighth and the crowd starts chanting his name before he ends up uh, driving in the Jake, Jake Fraley from second base. Now the set by Patton, the 0-2 pitch. Crawford a swing and a ground ball through the open left side of the infield in the left field. Fraley being waved in from third by Manny. Throw to the plate. Fraley slides. He's safe. He went back to retouch home plate. The throw by the left fielder, Eli White, late to the plate. And the Mariners have the lead. Four to three here in the bottom of the eighth inning. J.P. Crawford rolls one through the open left side of the infield. And the Mariners lead it four to three. Holy smokes, what a ball game. You can hear it at the very end, too. It starts again. Starts again right there. Well-deserved. That was cool. That, mo- that moment gave me goosebumps watching it because you're like, wait a second, they're, they're chanting his name. There's a player on the Mariners that's worthy of a chant? What? When did this happen? And then afterwards, JP's like, they chant your name. You got to come through with the hit. They ended up winning that game in extra innings. Uh, it is Danny and Gallant. Let's take this time. We've got Tyler Columbus, who is a former Seahawk, now works on the radio in Denver. He's going to help us preview the, the Seahawks-Broncos game. That's coming up in 15 minutes. But right now, we go around the NFL. It's time to go around the NFL. The bottom line on the biggest stories in the NFL every morning at 9.15 with Danny and Gallant. Today's an exceptional day. Mora, what's up, Mora? Hello, I'm back. What you do we got? Talk to me in this or that. Football, football, <laughs> football, um, sports. First up, Seahawks rookie wide receiver D. Eskridge. We found out the other day. I think your your guest on Wednesday, Brian Nemhauser, asked him on Twitter what he prefers, and he says he prefers D. D. So we won't call him Dwayne Eskridge. Anymore. Easier. D. Eskridge. <laughs> uh, he's fallen behind after sitting out with a toe injury, but he is putting in the extra work to try and catch up. He told reporters about that yesterday. So we, we just had a conversation. Um, I went to him. We were just talking about some things of how I could get better in certain areas. And then he had mentioned that he came here at, um, I think it said 550. So then ever since then, I've been here at 550 um, with him doing that. And he's Ta- talking about Russ. Correct. I love hearing it, but I don't know if this is anything more, Danny, than trope. Off-season puff. It's great to hear, though, for a guy that clearly is behind because you have to earn trust somehow, and if you aren't able to do it with reps, you got to actually establish a relationship with the quarterback. So that's big because I was starting to get concerned about 
what he's going to be able to bring to the table this year. At the very least, this means that things are not a lost cause like they sort of turned into with Daryl Taylor through no fault of his own through injury last year. There's a whole list of things that I will file away on Believe It When I See It. This is one of them. Yeah, I understand that. He's a rookie receiver who missed a lot of the offseason training and has not participated. I, I think the hope is he'll play. I don't expect to see him play in this game. Maybe he'll play in the final preseason game. Hey, I l- I'd love to see it. I, I hope, but I don't think getting there at 545 is going to be reason to say, oh, I don't worry about yeah. the fact that he's been unavailable for two months. 100%. Um, person who is first in, is that always the best player on the team? Because you ke- you hear that about all the best players in sports. It's not always. It right. is not. It absolutely is not. And some of the people that are the first in can be the fake hustle guys. Correct. Like that's that's I thought we were not go back to this theory of yours. Yeah, like I, I don't, it depends. I don't, I don't disagree with. There's you if you get in to do your actual work. I I don't think that coming in at five forty five just to be in at five forty five. I always think back to who Jim Hazlitt was the Saints coach, who he had some sort of issue with Gruden back in the the mid two thousands. Wonder why. His explanation, Jim Hazlitt, Jim Hazlitt was the overly. He goes, I get to the office an hour before John Gruden lies about getting there. It's like, that's dumb. Like, yeah. let's just have a misery Olympics here to see who. Like, that helped, did that help Jim Hazlitt? That no. helped him become a better? Yeah, come on. The Aaron Brooks era of Saints football, though, was kind of fun. It was. I liked Aaron Brooks as a quarterback. Ricky Williams was still there. Yeah. Joe Horn. Yeah, Joe Horn. How about that? All right, this story is a weird one. There was some speculation as to what may have caused kind of a mass exodus of longstanding front office employees of the Raiders this offseason. And it turns out it might be because they're in trouble with Uncle Sam. Uh, Mike Ozanian of Forbes has reported that the Raiders are facing very big tax implications for money not reported as income during their time in Oakland. So on brand. What? The Raiders would be the one team that would have possible fraud issues or tax evasion, right? What? That's on brand. I love it. And he did say that that's the reason for some of the resignations. So that's the company? It's not the dudes. The dudes didn't have tax liabilities. It's the the, the franchise itself. Because Mark Davis is not rich. Right, like that's Mark. Mark Davis owns the football team. That like that's what the value is. It could but if, change, if he, but you're right. Like for now, they were depending on people being able to go to the games last year, and no one went to the games last year. He got a sweetheart deal to go to Las Vegas, but if they came out and said like, "Hey, you owe two hundred million dollars," like I don't, I don't, I don't think that Mark can cut that check. I don't think he can either. I feel like though there are enough people with money in Las Vegas that could potentially find Al themselves Al in a Davis, beneficial situation out of this. People may not... Al Davis has sold chunks of the team before, but what he does is he basically says, I'm going to sell you a part of the team and I'm never going to listen to you. Yeah. And that's generally not how rich people want their money treated. This like, generally, they want, they want their money to give them a say in how things are done, and I don't know if Mark Davis and his haircut have the ability to pull off what the undead Al Davis was able to do, which is, you're going to take what I say and you're going you're gonna to deal with it. Undead Al Davis. I like that uh, visual. He looked like the Crypt Keeper for a good solid 10 years. He did. Uh, one, of, one of the greatest Syracuse alums of all time. 
Oh, he's a Syracuse alum? Right. I didn't know that. He's a Syracuse guy. Yes, he is. That's definitely Don't one to brag him, about. Danny. Why? It's Al Davis, the great Al Davis. Al Davis yeah. was the NFL in the 60s and 70s. I'm kind talking of. about the Syracuse reference. Well, what's, what's wrong with that? That's where he went. I will force them whenever I can. Alton Robinson, where did he go to school? I don't know. Can't remember. Anyway, are you guys ready for some more Dan Campbell? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. I love this All guy. right. Uh, Lions head coach Dan Campbell uh, released long snapper Dan Mulback this week on his 40th birthday. Apparently, he was the second oldest player in the NFL. And Campbell talked to reporters about feeling pretty bad about that move uh, yesterday. No, there's no way to sugarcoat that. You know, I'm an asshole. So there's, that's about the best way to put it. And I hate it. Dang. <laughs> Dude, Dang. I like Campbell. I did not expect I really like Campbell. No man, that's yeah, that's that, that that's terrible. Yeah, there's no other way to yeah, that's a terrible thing to do. I wonder how this works during actual games live fire, but I would imagine as far as morale could possibly be in Detroit, it's probably about as high as you would possibly expect because of that personality that he has. There is not a player alive that would not like that. Of that description of Dude, this stinks, and there's no other way to do it. Nobody wants to not be fired because it's their birthday, but nobody wants to be like, "This is a tough business." And like, he's yeah, like, "Yeah, the BS this, cliche. This stinks. Yeah. I feel terrible about this, but this is what's happening. Every that's that's in, in a nutshell what every player, what every NFL player wants. I think, Respectful but honest and direct communication. I I think he has a pretty good ability to relate to players and now it's just a matter of is the coaching staff around him which is a pretty impressive coaching staff i've said this a couple of times are they going to be enough to perhaps get a little bit more out of detroit than you would expect are you rooting for the lions yes. i kind of find myself they might be oh, the yes. pet team that i have this year i detroit's fan base is the most i think victimized fan base in all of sports the yeah Fords they were born into idiots. a hostage situation yeah like the fords are terrible uh you know you know historically too i'm not going to go down that road again but if they do well it would make mcfay look bad yeah yeah that too that's a great point, Maura. Thank you for reminding with us of that. Go- with well, Goff as well. Yeah. Yeah. And Stafford. Goff. And Stafford I never really – and he, other people have really liked him, so I've never had anything. But I've he's always struck me as the empty calorie quarterback of the guy that racks up massive yards without winning. Um yeah, I think I think I think the Detroit Lions are my little pet team this year. I hate the people that like Stafford. I don't really have a rational reason for it. It just annoys me. It's like calm Yeah, down. I would I would say that I feel the same way. Like I'm I'm curious to see about how Stafford does because so many people quarterbacks specifically love him. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how he plays for that. Like I don't have but I don't like the people that love Stafford. I'm with you. It is Danny and Gallant. We've got those tickets to give away. We've also got Tyler Columbus, former Seahawks lineman and somebody who will give me a hard time, I guarantee it coming up next. Employment. You are listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Let's do two things here. The first is we're going to give somebody some tickets. It's always fun, especially enjoyable. We want to send one of you to the August 28th Seahawks preseason game. Now, you're going to have to wait a minute to call this number if you're listening on the radio or 30 seconds if you're on the stream. 206-421-3776 or 866-979-3776. Again, wait a minute if you're listening on the radio. 30 seconds if you're on the, str- the stream. Caller number three, 
Number three for Russ Wilson will win two tickets to see the Seahawks host the Chargers. That's August 28th at Lumen Field. More info at 710sports.com slash win. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to bring in a big hunk, a mountain of a man, a guy who was formerly manned in the left tackle position at the Seattle Seahawks. Tyler Columbus, who lives in Denver, is going to join us now. Tyler's one of my uh, one of my favorite people, but don't hold it against him. Tyler Columbus is with us. Tyler, how are you? I'm doing great, Danny Paul. It's great to be with you guys. Well, I appreciate I appreciate I put on my best tie just because I knew that you were coming <laughs> today. I've, I, I, I've been, yeah, I've been I looking know. forward I think, to this. You know, following you over the years, I think you might have changed a little bit. I was just talking to Brandon Stokely about you yesterday. I said I was going on your show. I was like, you remember Danny? I was like, the dude that always wear plaid on plaid, and he wear the plaid uh, tie on top of the plaid T-shirts and then plaid shirt. He's like, he's like, oh, oh, yeah, now, now I remember that guy. Yeah, it took him a second until I described your outfit. I'm surprised you can understand Stokely through his Louisiana accent. <laughs> well, he he works on my station. Ironically, uh, all of Denver has to listen to him with that accent. <laughs> he's great. He's great. I love you, Tyler. Tyler, with with Denver, it sounds like the Broncos are getting close to making a quarterback decision. Maybe maybe Denver's going to take this preseason game on Saturday fairly seriously. Well, it'll be interesting to see. You know, you, you know how these preseason games go. It's um, always a battle of how much do you want to play your guys versus uh, how much do you want to risk letting them get hurt. Uh, I would be shocked if defensively we played many starters at all. Uh, last week, I, I think we only played a, a couple guys. I, I don't see any reason for that to change defensively. We're supposed to have one of the defense, best, best defenses in the NFL this year. Uh, offensively, though, we're in the middle of a 50-50 quarterback battle. So I think my best guess is it'll look similar to what they did in week one, and that probably means that they're going to go the majority of the first half. Uh, I know that Teddy Bridgewater is going to start the game. So Drew started uh, preseason game number one. Teddy's going to start this uh, this game. And then I would imagine that Drew's probably going to get a, at least a, a fair amount of reps throughout the second quarter if he makes it all the way through or not. We'll see. But uh, we're starting to get the vibe around here that uh, they're dialing in on Drew Locke. It's just a matter of time. So uh, I think if Drew Locke, has a good game uh, against you guys, then it, we're probably going to settle this thing right after the weekend. If Drew goes out there, tosses an interception or something, who knows? Maybe we go into preseason game number three without a starter. I'm not exactly, Tyler, expecting a whole lot out of either Denver quarterback, but I know that the Broncos have some awesome Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, the, listen, listen, they're still NFL quarterbacks, all right, buddy? Like, we got It's not Russell Wilson. We Come on. We 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 gotta hype this up here in Denver some way somehow, you know. Like we, I got ratings and stuff. Like I, I can't just talk about it like that, you know. We're we're spoiled here, though, Tyler. As you as you well know, I mean, we've had the one of the best quarterbacks right. in the NFL here for for a really long period of time. You guys have some really good wide receivers. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Uh, one of the big questions that uh, here in Seattle we have to answer is who's going to be the starting corners for those teams. Is Cortland Sutton going to be out there to challenge these defensive backs? Are we going to see a lot of Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, some of those other guys that Denver has in that offense? Yeah, so I think offensively you'll see a sprinkling of starters. Uh, Last week, Jerry Judy did play, uh, played quite a bit. K.J. Hamler played quite a bit. I don't know if you know anything about K.J. Hamler, but he was our second rounder last year, and 
he really caught fire uh, throughout preseason so far this year. So I think you're going to see Jerry Judy and you're going to see K.J. Hamler. Cortland Sutton is still nursing uh, an ACL that he's coming back from. I'd be shocked if they put him out there at all. Um, but I think you'll see Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler a decent amount because we do have the quarterback battle and we're trying to figure it out. I think they need to give them a couple legitimate weapons out there. We're talking to Tyler Columbus, who uh, lives in Denver and works on our sister station there uh, in Denver. Tyler also played for Pete Carroll. It's been a little bit ago now, we're getting close to like 10 years. It, is there any part of you that's surprised that Pete's, that Pete's still doing it? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. No, I guess, I guess not really. Um, it always comes down to success, and, and yeah, I'm not surprised that he wants to be doing it. I didn't know if he was going to have the success that he had uh, when I got there. I was there for the first uh, part of his era. And, you know, we made it to the playoffs with a losing record. <laughs> you were <laughs> on the like field we for Beastquake, man. You were on the field that, for one of the signature right. moments in Seahawks history. That's right. That's right. I mean, of, of all my – I've had a pretty decent career. Played eight years, started like over 60 games. And of all my moments in the NFL – that is by far the 15 seconds of fame that will never die. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always on. Speaking of that, quick story, unrelated, but my son, uh, even though I live in Denver, I finished my career with Denver, won a Super Bowl here in Denver. Uh, he is a diehard Seahawks fan. Diehard. Not a boy. Not a boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I, I, I mean, diehard. Like his whole room's decked out, and all he wears is Seahawks gear every single day. Um, for his birthday, I got him to FaceTime with Marshawn. So I called up Marshawn. I was like, hey, oh. would you mind FaceTiming with my son? And uh, so Mar- Marshawn FaceTimed it with him for 45 minutes. Like, I'm not kidding you, dude. He hung out with my son for 45 minutes on FaceTime. Awesome. And I'll say, you know, my son learned a few new words. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. You know, you know there, 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 there were a couple moments that uh, had to explain to my son what that might mean, what that may or may not mean what words you can repeat, what you cannot, but goodness was that the time of his life. So I don't know how that was related to your question, but uh, I thought it was a funny story. I mean, <laughs> it was a great story. <laughs> yeah. Tyler, one of the things that excites me about us having you on today, Danny has some, I think, really interesting relationships with players across the NFL. But what I have heard is that Danny got you fined a couple of times. And I'm hoping yeah. that in some way, shape, or form – that you were able to get the fines that you had to pay back from uh, young Danny here. No, no, never. No, no. He's <laughs> never done anything in return for me. I mean, seriously, it's been a, it's, it's been a one-way street, this entire relationship. All, 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 all he's ever done is ask things of me. I've never gotten anything in return from him. No, I, I mean, on day one, I showed up and – uh, you know, I, I got they traded for me. I think it was like a week before uh, first preseason game or, or first uh, game of the year or something like that. And I showed up and I, I knew that Alex Gibbs in the fine board system because uh, I came from Denver and we had the exact same fine board system. But as the new guy, I, I get traded out there in my first practice. I just get swarmed by the media and. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Am I really going to be the jerk new player that is going to turn down, like say say no to everybody? I know better because Ben Hamilton was a guy that I played with in Denver and everything. So I, I knew darn well I was going to get my butt fined just for talking to all you guys. But 
you know, Danny looked, uh, he looked so sweet and nice over there and all that plaid. And I was just like, you know, maybe I'll cough it up for him, you know? <laughs> I, I did I did get Ben though. I did I did get Ben by quoting him saying no comment and then re <laughs> oh, re quoting nice. him over nice. the course of that week which was which was solid. Although Perfect. I hear they let they let Ben Hamilton teach kids now, which I'm I'm a little I'm a oh. little dubious of. I heard he's teaching. No, not not only is he teaching, Ben and I were co offensive line coaches together at the same high school. I mean, <laughs> well you 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 want to talk about some kids that are probably learning the wrong lessons from the two of us. Goodness gracious. Ben is a math Ben is like actually he's a mathematical genius. Like uh he he is an incredibly smart human being. He is teaching kids, but uh I've heard a few stories. Uh he he treats that classroom a little bit like an offensive line room and uh <laughs> I think there's been a, I think there's been a couple complaints. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, it's awesome to talk to you. Um I I really enjoyed enjoyed uh, covering you as a player. Congratulations on an incredible career and I'm glad to hear that things are going so well for you in Denver and we'll look forward to catching up here in the near future. Thanks Tyler. Awesome. Enjoyed it, guys. Talk soon. That is Tyler Columbus from our sister station there in Denver. He's it great. is Danny, Danny and Gallant. Uh, we're going to be raising flags. That's going to come up next. From the pocket and flags everywhere. Flag on the play. Now there's a flag down. Every morning at 945 with Danny and Gallant. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. If the noise persists, the defense will be charged with a timeout. Flag on the play. Somebody said that it sounded like I said I love you to Tyler Columbus. I thought I heard that too. I thought I heard it too. That's funny. Endless love. I like him. I like Tyler. I wouldn't go so far as to say I love him. Why not? I loved covering him. Loved covering the offensive line. It's funny. There's nothing wrong with love, man. Big soft. No, it's true. All you need is love. It's time for us to raise flags. We also had, what, the third caller won Seahawks tickets. I said it was for Russell, and the winner turned out to be Mark Russell. So there's a little bit of kismet there, a little bit of synergy. Huzzah! Some spookiness. Our training camp coverage brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. Paul, do you want to start? You got a flag? Yeah. I mean, I, it's good to get it out of the way first, because I don't want any bad juju going into this weekend series against Houston. But uh, the Diego Castillo experience has... Turned into the Rafael Montero experience. And, uh, yeah, this happened yesterday. Oh, I plan on following his, his mandate. That also happened yesterday, too. Diego looks in, has a sign for Murph. Runners get their leads. Now the 1-1 on the way. Swing and a fly ball deep to right field. Going back is Bowers, and this one is gone. Goodbye, baseball. Holy smokes. And Jason Martin has just tied this game at 7-7. Dieno Castino. I was at the gym watching this because I thought that I could, you know, move on to a workout. They had a 7-2 lead over a AAA baseball team. I'm thinking to myself, okay, this one's done. And I'm sitting down, and it's on TV at the gym. I look up, and I just, (laughs) I audibly yelled, bleep, bleep, big bleep. And this person walked by me and, like, looked at me like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me was Diego Castillo has not been as advertised since he no. joined, and perhaps the Tampa Bay Rays are not a team to be traded with. 
that's what I always think of when it happens, right? You're like, don't mess with those dudes. No. And that's not entirely true. I mean, they, they do give up talent. Like, you get you get good players from them. It's just that sometimes those players do turn into pumpkins. Yes. Like it happened to Longoria one year in San Francisco. He's mm-hmm. back playing better. It, yeah. It stinks right now. I'm not real thrilled about it. How does he get better? I mean, if... if- St- starts throwing a slider that moves... Well, he stops, does. Th- stops throwing the cement mixer, whatever the hell that is. The cement mixer alternative, yeah. I mean, he's making my voice crack, so that's definitely... I'm, I'm blaming him for all of those voice cracks that I've had over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, one of every six pitches per Ryan Diffish looking like a cement mixer as a slider. That's the scouting report that other people, I guess, gave of him. That's concerning, and I don't know how you really make that better in the middle of a year, other than pray. Maybe he's just getting it all out of his system. Sure. You know what? I'll take that. He wanted just to get, get it. it all out. Like, relievers are up and down. He's just going through a bad stretch where he's just got to run through it, and he'll get hot again. And the good streak starts this weekend. Positive Hopefully. energy, uh, spirit fingers, spirit hands. Please, don't, Diego. Just don't let him near anything sharp. Like, do not, do not let him hold scissors nor a knife. Maura, what do you got? I am going to throw a flag on Terrell Owens. Um, for this interview that he did recently. There's no doubt 100% that I can play in the National Football League today. And again, for those guys or pundits that say that I can't do it, who are they to say what someone else can can or cannot do? Do you Have you reached out to any NFL teams or have NFL teams reached out to you? Like how serious are these talks? Um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to get into to any specifics, but, you know, uh, over the summer, I had a, you know, I had a conversation with an individual but, you know, I'll just leave it at that. You know, with that conversation uh, that I had, you know, they asked me, you know, you know to keep myself in shape. Um, anything can happen. And so that's 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 what I'm doing. Anything can happen. He's 47 now. He hasn't played in 10 years, right? It's been a while. And Seattle cut him. Like, he came here and Seattle cut him. There's no doubt he's one of the most jacked people on the planet. He's in sure, tremendous shape. But he hasn't played in 10 years. I'm with you on that front. And, I mean... There are so many ways that you can describe a conversation. Did he start the conversation with this person Dude, who said delusional. anything he can happen? He hasn't played in 10 years. I, I, this has nothing to do with his football ability or my my view or my expertise. He hasn't played football in 10 years. If you couldn't He's make not a team play in the 10 NFL. years ago, why yeah. would you make one now? He's not playing in the NFL. That has nothing to do with my opinion about football. It's looking at reality. That's hilarious. Anything just delusional. can happen is a polite way of saying no, isn't it? Could, he's delusional. He's definitely he also delusional. said, I'm going to leave it at that, and then said, but they told me to stay ready because yeah. gonna, you didn't leave it okay. at that. You kept Th- going. This is how you start the conversations about yourself. Play when I want. Wait, hang on. That's Randy Moss. Uh, I love me some me. And uh, Get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn ready, yes. I would love to see him at the very least out on a field at this age. Yeah, though, I'd like to see him get clobbered. I that's <laughs> what I'd like to see. Do you not like Tio? I'm fine with him. But when someone says that, like I could still play in the NFL ten years after being like, I want him. I'd like to see him get out there and get clobbered. Okay. He got mushed ten years ago by Brandon Browner. Uh raising a flag for Marshawn. You always can every single day. Tyler Columbus's story about Marshawn FaceTiming his son for 45 minutes and using colorful How language. How cool is that? Example 3,592 of why Marshawn is awesome. Marshawn's fantastic. There will never be another. When he said the colorful language, I was going to be like, oh, like the time Marshawn met my mom and called her baby girl. 
so sweet. I got a picture from the moment. It's just beautiful. We'd like to thank Tyler Columbus for joining us, Michael Bumpus for Blue 42, the Professor John Clayton, the Morning Drive. Maura Dooley keeps us on the straight and narrow, and he is Paul Gallant. And yeah, um, huge gains, except when you're listening to Diego or watching Diego Castillo. <laughs> Routine. And he is Danny O'Neill, and he loves Tyler Columbus. Yeah, he's a good dude. I love him. I love him. There we go. So long, farewell. It's just me next. What's your confidence level heading into this weekend series against the Houston Astros? I'm going to try to lay out all the sunshiny ways that this thing is different this time around. We'll dive into it next.